Welcome back to another episode of Don't Be So Dramatic. My name is Rachel and this is the podcast where I talk to different people in the entertainment industry to discover what their job involves and how they got there. Happy New Year, everyone. We're in 2020 now. I'm so excited for the year ahead. I had a great 2019. I hope you all did too. Um, Coming into 2020, the possibilities are endless for us all, aren't they? So I wanted to start the year off great. So I have brought on one of my favourite people, Ben Matthews. Now, Ben is an actor, director, writer, and also a very well-known acting coach. Ben um, is an amazing coach. He's my acting coach. So of course I will say this, but I know he has affected so many people's careers in the most amazing ways. He has helped me come so far since I've been coaching with him. Um, And so I wanted um, the first episode um, in 2020 to inspire everyone to just go out there and get it this year. So um, Ben and I often talk about this subject and it's a subject that I'm very passionate about and I really like talking to people about and it's the idea of mindset as a creative and um, in your career in the entertainment industry. So that involved talking about how um, your mindset um, basically I guess manifests the work that you do receive into your career. It's also about the energy that you put out into the world um, because of what is going on in your brain um, and how you can change that. I I also talk about how my mindset has changed um, recently over the past year or so and what I've done to kind of really get into um, a really good headspace of just being grateful for where I am and grateful for what is to come. I think that is such an important thing, Um, not just for our industry, but for everyone. I think it's so important in this industry to dream big and to think about, you know, the things that you do want. But I think that sometimes um, when we are constantly thinking about the future and where we want to end up and why it's not happening in the time that we want, it really takes its toll on our minds. Um, But I think it's important to dream big and to have hope for where you want to end up. And I think the advice that Ben gives in this episode in order to check in with yourself and make sure you know, you're you're being grateful and grounded um, in the person that you are now. Um, yeah, it's so helpful. I have been, you know, putting into place the things that he has told me through our coaching um, for a while and have just had amazing results. So, yeah, I, I just highly recommend if you if you can um, implementing one or two of the things even that he says in this episode is just so helpful. Um, yeah, so happy 2020. And without further ado, let's jump in. Hello, Ben. How are you doing? I'm good, Rach. How are you? I'm good. You're, I, yes, you are my first repeat, append, uh, repeat offender for the podcast. That was a mouthful. <laughs> I'm on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just like constantly bugging you like, do you, do, you, do you want to be on my podcast again? You're like, oh, look. I'm a busy man, but I guess so. <laughs> it's a delight. <laughs> so 2020, first podcast of the year. 
I thought it would be really good to talk about um, mindset in the creative industry um, mm. because you are, well, everyone should have listened to the other episode, but you are an actor, director, coach. Am I yeah, writer. missing any writer? Yep. You do all of the things. Mm-hmm. So it'll be good to delve into how important mindset is within those different aspects because I feel like we can talk about mindset in terms of actors, but it's also relevant to everyone else in the industry. So Definitely. Yeah. Um, so I don't really know where to start. It's such a big topic. <laughs> Well, um, I'm interested. Can I ask you yes. like a question or two? I guess so. You've, I know you've been doing some work on mindset recently. Yes. And you seem to be in a very positive mindset at the moment. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to know, and I'm sure our, your listeners are. <laughs> our audience. Our audience. Um, what have you been doing that's made a big difference to your mindset? Good question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. You're welcome. Um, so I think it was it was December 2018 when I came across um, it was this webinar that was done by this American actress um, Wendy Braun, mm. and basically it was geared for actors and it wasn't acting training at all. It was pretty much about how your mindset and the way that you view yourself as an actor is affecting your employment opportunities Mm. and the projects you're getting cast in and whatnot. Um, And so I saw that and that kind of sparked the idea in me of um, truly like looking into myself rather than, you know, being like, am I a good actor and Mm -hmm. whatnot and doing the training for that. Um, It was more truly getting to know myself and the opinions that I had about myself and why I had those opinions Mm. and kind of breaking those walls down and getting to a place where I was like, oh, like I I should be here Mm -hmm. and who I am, like I love myself Mm. and I'm very happy in my life right now kind of thing because we spend so much time dreaming about you know oh when when I'm on a tv show or when I'm in a film I'm gonna be so happy and I'm just gonna live in this state of like nervousness Mm -hmm. until my big break comes and I think the big yeah the big shift for me was like am I happy with my life as today like am I happy that I'm just coming to do a podcast at Ben's house. Like, does that make me happy kind of thing? Mm. Um, So the way I kind of got to that place was by getting into a lot of meditation. Mm. Um, Like I did some meditations that were more geared towards actors and um, were a lot of like, I am enough Mm. and that sort of um, mentality, but also just doing meditations to kind of, clear the noise in my brain Mm. um and then recently um as i was telling you just before um i've been implementing a practice of um being grateful and having gratitude and saying thank you for even the smallest things in my life Mm. and also the bigger things and also being grateful for what is to come like what i want to come as well so 
What's yeah. that attitude of gratitude given you? Attitude of gratitude. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's given me... Oh, that's a good question. I think it's just given me like the the permission to just be hopeful mm-hmm. in a non kind of a non needy way. Mm-hmm. I think that you can have big dreams mm. for sure. Why not? Like there's there's no reason why you can't have big dreams to be in a blockbuster film or to direct a blockbuster film or something like that. But I think if you're um, when you can actually be happy in the now and also be happy for that dream mm. and how it's going to come about in your life and not have the need for when is it going to happen? How is it going to happen? What can I do in order for that to happen? When you let go of that need, I think, yeah, that that is what happened when I had the attitude of gratitude. <laughs> yeah, I think that's so, so awesome. It reminds me a bit, you know, a book I just reread last year um, was Deepak Chopra's book, The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. Mm -hmm. And he talks, two of them, um, it's actually a very practical book, I have to say. It's not, the the title makes it sound like it's kind of airy-fairy, but it's actually quite practical. Two of the laws that he talks about, you know, one is the law of intention, of having a clear intention. And by the way, I think this is absolutely relevant for acting. It's something I'm always talking about when you're going into a scene, for example, a character mm. has an intention. Mm-hmm. Um, but the you know one of the other laws is the law of detachment, that we can't become um, attached to an outcome, to how what the result will look like. Yeah. Um, that we have to be both intentional in terms of what we want and what we're creating and yet at the same time let go, let go, let go of what we th- how we think something has to look or how it needs to be or what result it's going to bring. But in a sense, you're still calling forth the, the future possibility into the here and now. You're um, standing in a place where you're looking at what is from a place of what could also be. Yeah. And I think that's a very powerful way to look at things. Mm. Something I've often, again, I, you know, my students have probably heard me say this before, but um, it's very easy for us to think exactly what you were saying before, that once we have a certain thing when we have a certain result Mm. then we'll be able to do the stuff that we've always wanted to do and then we'll be a certain type of person like once I have an acting career then I'll be able to do the kind of work that really excites me or inspires me and then I'll finally be enough or I'll be confident or once I have money you know, then yes. I'll be able to go do all of the things that I can, I want to do, and then I'll finally be free. Um, but, you know, I think acting teaches us that it's the, the paradigm is the other way around. It starts with who you're being, and out of who you're being come your actions, and out of your actions come a result. It's not have, do, be, it's be, do, have Mm. um 
So I'm, I'm always saying as well to my students that if you want to know who you're being, take a look at how you see things. Mm. How do you see the world right now? How do you see yourself? Because that is who you're being. Anais Nin has this wonderful quote that we don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. The world mm. just is as it is. And the world isn't as it isn't. The, um, the view through which we see the world, that's back there with us. It's like we're wearing a particular pair of glasses that have a particular, you know, tint to them. And then we just assume that that's the way things are. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm always saying, you know, if you... If you look at the world through a green, through a pair of green tinted glasses, how does the world look? Well, the world looks green. Is the world actually green? No, the green is back there with you. Mm. And in actual fact too, when we're looking, say we are looking at the world through a green tinted pair of glasses, we actually wouldn't be able to distinguish the color green. Because everything yeah. would be green. Yeah. So if you said to me, can you go get me that green book over there? I'd say, what green book? <laughs> They're all green. <laughs> You're an idiot. There is no green book. And that's actually how people often react too. When, you know, other people can see something that's, that's actually right there in front of you and you can't see it because of the way you're looking at things. Yeah. So when we change the way we look at the world, Nothing out here in the world has actually changed and yet everything changes in an instant. Mm. And all of a sudden new opportunities, new avenues for action become available to us that weren't possible before. I couldn't even see the green book, so how was I meant to go pick it up? Now I can see it, now I can distinguish it, so now I can take that action. Yeah. Well, I think that that is a very interesting thing to kind of learn and then um try and implement the practice into your life is being able to realize that like as you say looking at a situation through a lens is almost like when you're reacting to a situation with a certain emotion Mm. Um, and this becomes very relevant in relationships where you know when you're in it you can't necessarily see what's what's going on kind of thing and um if you're able to kind of look at it from a perspective of noticing Mm. how you're reacting Mm. and stepping away and observing i'm feeling this emotion why am i feeling this emotion Mm -hmm. and then how can i move forward from that emotion into i mean if, if you're angry about something or you're upset about something how can you move forward into something that's going to make you feel better right kind of thing so that's a really interesting shift to have huge as a person you know i think this actually goes back to acting again as well you know we something i i say to my students a lot is that if in order to play a character it's not that you have to go and become a different person mm. You just have to try to see things from that point of view, from the character's point of view. There's a set of circumstances that they find themselves in and they have a very clear point of view on those circumstances because of the way they see things. Mm -hmm. 
any kind of script analysis that we do in terms of trying to figure out what a character wants or why it's important to them, like what's at stake, is just in order for us to really begin to think through what that point of view is. And then all we have to do is stand in that point of view and it, it gives us a particular way of looking at a situation and, and listening to our scene partner because all of a sudden we are, you know, we don't, we're not trying to interpret the character. We actually get to experience them, um, experience what they're going through right now simply by aligning our point of view with theirs. Mm. Um, and so, you know, in many ways that's, I think a great way of not just looking at acting, but looking at life, like there, there might be a particular result that you want in your life. Well, what is it that's in, you know, what, what is it about the way you're seeing a situation that is helping or hindering you from making that a reality? Because um, my guess is whatever result you want Somebody else is probably doing it or has done it before or doing something similar to it. So I often find it really interesting, you know, especially when you listen to interviews with, with other actors to really try to kind of get, have an understanding of what their point of view on life is mm. because there's something about what they're doing or the way they see themselves or the way mm. they see things that have brought them the results that they have in their life. Mm. You know, I've heard Will Smith talk about, you know, how he um, decided after the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air that, you know, he said to his manager, who was also Jazzy Jeff, his <laughs> um, his collaborator in music, you know, he said, um, I want to be the biggest movie star in the world. And they said, okay, well, like, how, how are we going to do that? And they got really analytical about the whole thing. Mm. But you listen to interviews with Will Smith, um, you know, there's sort of no mistake that he has what he has and has achieved what he's achieved because he has this point of view on himself and on life that has been incredibly empowering to him. Even, even this, you know, the act of asking himself that question is so huge in a way and it, and it kind of speaks to a possibility um, that a lot of us probably wouldn't even entertain mm. and yet he actually um he wasn't afraid to ask that question yeah well i think in the creative industry i think it's very easy to kind of fall into the idea that well if i think that i'm amazing that's my ego talking and, and that makes me egotistical and i mean there's plenty of people in the sure. creative industry that are like i'm amazing and you're like calm down yeah. <laughs> you're all right you're okay. yeah <laughs> but um it's not it's not about that it's not i think once you take away the ego and can like look at yourself and there's you know, a, there's the need. I mean, I agree. I think yeah. you know, God knows. I think ego gets in the way all the time, for and um, for everyone, for all of us. Uh, at the same time, it can be it can be helpful because it can you know sometimes um, it does. It gives people a belief in themselves, even when they maybe don't necessarily. Um, Maybe they're not at that point where they should have as much confidence as they do, but who cares? It's actually getting them to take action and to take risks and so on. I do think that it's about what kind of like what we were saying before, having a clear intention of what you want, but then also being able to look at um, 
to not get attached to a particular result, but to actually get kind of analytical about your uh, performance in a way. Like, am I producing results? And if not, what's missing? Yeah. The presence of which would make a difference. Mm -hmm. A little bit like an athlete does. You know, Michael Jordan, when he was at the top of his career as a basketball player, you know, he would watch back every game that he played even though he was already the best in the world because he was always looking for what was missing from his performance, Mm -hmm. the presence of which might give him an edge over his competitor. Yeah. Um, So there's still that ability to not be so blinded by your ego and your self-belief that you can look at what's working and what's not. And then that's also what you need coaches for or, or, or teachers or friends or an outside eye because they can help point towards something that might be in your blind spot, something that you can't necessarily see. Yeah. Um, and if that ego is not there, it's very easy to be able to go, oh, great. Thank you for picking that up. Yes. Yeah, you're right. I do do that on camera kind of thing. Totally. To take that that feedback on board and to not make it mean anything about yes, you. yeah. Uh, because then you can all, you can still decide whether it's good feedback or not, or helpful or not. If it's mm-hmm. not helpful, um, then don't take it on board. Um, but to kind of take all the meaning out of it, that it doesn't, you know, feedback, even criticism sometimes, it doesn't, it doesn't actually mean anything about you. Um, there's, it can be very instructive. And obviously I think, you know, you want to work with teachers that give you feedback or or can critique you in a way that is in no way personal. It's always about the work. Mm. Um, but you know, I, I, my dad did that for me the other day. I, I was talking through with him like a list of my priorities for the month. And he said to me, um, he was like, what's wrong with that list? And I said, what do you, what do you mean? He's like, well, nothing. What exactly. What's wrong? <laughs> nothing. No, I said, I, he said, what's wrong with it? And I said, there are too many things on it. And he said, exactly. Mm. There's no way you're going to get through all that in a month. He said, just pick two, two things off that list. Have a third in reserve if you get through them. <laughs> but just do, just focus on those two. Yeah. Um, and that was great advice because again, I, and I, you know, I think I was feeling, and I was already feeling a bit overwhelmed by my like list for January of things <laughs> yeah. I had to do. Um, so, you know, just having those outside eyes, those um, the other perspectives that can help get you back on track. For sure. Well, I was listening to the TED, TED Radio Hour podcast the other day because I'm so educated. <laughs> um, and it, it was the episode on failure. Right. Um, and he was interviewing, I think the Google company is called X. Al- Alphabet? or Oh, the, oh, the company yeah, within the Google? Yeah, the company within Google. The Google, I think it's Google. Oh, God, I'm butchering this. That's okay. I think it's X. Anyways, there's this company run by Google. Got it. Um, they were talking about in this company where they're doing so many different projects yeah. at once that they they most of them fail but when your project fails you get a bonus and you get a holiday and then you get to come back and start another project i love that they're actually like please fail Mm. because it means that we will get further if you're just constantly trying to 
you know, if, if failure is such a big, scary idea and you think you're going to get fired because of it, you're not going to be innovative and you're not going to be risks. like, let's just try this. Let's just go for it and yeah. see what happens. You're not going to have that mentality. You're going to have the mentality of this could make or break me, which is just so constricting. And so often too, you know, failures. I mean, look, we wouldn't have penicillin if, if, someone hadn't failed at trying to do something else. You know, the result was penicillin that ended up saving, you know, millions of lives, but it was an accident. Um, So, you know, so often failure is so crucial for learning and for performance. If anything, we want to learn how to fail faster. Yeah. The, the, the quicker you fail at something, the quicker you are to learn the lesson that you needed to learn. Mm. And no one has ever achieved anything without a heavy dose of failure along the way. Oh, no. There's that great thing. I think it's in one of Tony Robbins' books where he talks about Abraham Lincoln. Just, you know, it's like this list of all the failures that he had as he basically <laughs> failed his way to the top um, to becoming president of the United States and then saving the union. But um, I think human beings have a really weird relationship to failure. We tend to collapse failure with our sense of identity Mm. and we start to make failure mean something about ourselves. We don't just say, you know, this thing failed. We say, I failed. Yes. And then we start to identify as the failure. And that can be really crippling and limiting. And, and it also makes us far less risk, you know, it makes us much more risk averse because we are too afraid to fail again. But in reality, and this was a big thing that I got for myself, I don't know, maybe like seven years ago. Failure doesn't mean anything. It, it, it doesn't mean anything. It certainly doesn't mean anything about you. All failure is, is there was an intended outcome that hasn't been met. Mm. And the more objectively, the more we, if we can take all the significance out of failure and stop making it mean all of this stuff that it doesn't mean, we're actually able to look again, far more objectively at our result and go, well, this is where I wanted to get to. And this, and, but this is where I ended up what's the gap there? Like what, what actions do I need to take in order to fill that space between where I'm at and where I need to be? Mm. Um, so something I, I did for myself, it was something that somebody had told me to do and I found it very useful was they got me to make a list of all the areas in my life where I identified myself as a failure Oh, okay. And I thought to myself going into it, I was like, oh my God, this list is going to be long. (laughs) And I started writing and I think I maybe got like to like, I don't know, maybe five, six things or something like that. Looking at it on the page, I I started thinking, is that it? (laughs) And I, I mean, I literally sat there for another half an hour trying to think of more places where I identified myself as a failure. And even I'd say, you know, one or two of the things on the list were a little bit of a stretch. There were a couple of things on the list where I absolutely knew I identified as a failure. But You're when like, I looked at hair, it. My hair, I woke up today. <laughs> it wasn't perfect. Well, <laughs> it was pretty good. My, my wavy hair, that can be most days for me. Um, but 
but the funny thing was looking at that list, realizing it, I was like seeing it on the page, especially the ones that were, that felt overwhelming at the time, looking at it on the page, I was like, is that it? Yeah. You think you're a failure because you failed at that? That's nothing. Yeah. And it suddenly started to, you know, and if I were to tell someone else that I feel like I failed at that, they'd laugh at me. They'd think that was ridiculous. And yet I was making it mean so much. So that was a huge lesson. It's something I, I encourage you all to do. If, if there is anywhere in your life where you're still thinking to yourself, I'm a failure because you failed at this particular thing, just get it on the page. Have a look at it. And, and, and just begin to know or realize that it doesn't actually, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything about you. It doesn't mean anything about what you're capable of or results that you can produce in the future. It's, um, it also speaks a lot to the kind of the Carol Dweck growth mindset mentality that she talks about in, in her books or she's got a great Ted talk. You can go listen to, um, again, her name's Carol Dweck, but you know, she talks about how like part of the problem with schooling, like when we do an exam, for example, is that we're measuring success based on a person's capability in that particular moment. And what often happens like with, you know, students is say they get a, a C in something, they begin to identify themselves as a C student. And because they then see themselves as a C student, guess what kind of results they continue to produce? Yeah. A lot of C's. Mm-hmm. But what we, we know, we know from life and, and certainly from research is that, you know, test results are not a good measurement of someone's overall capability or possibility. It's like we've just taken a snapshot of just where that person is on a particular day. And, you know, at that point in their life, it, it's not a reflection of where they might be 10 years from now. So, and you know, I, I, I say this too with students with, when it comes to auditioning sometimes, because sometimes we have a bad audition and it's just, it was like a little bit like a test of just where you're at that particular day, but it's no reflection of you or your capability as an actor or what, what else you can do. It's still useful to kind of look at and go, okay, well that didn't work or, you know, what wasn't working about that particular self tape I put down or what was my mindset like in the room when I went in? Um, you know, I, I encourage students to keep an audition journal to not just note down, I get them to note down um, what the project was and who it was for, what casting director and director, so you can keep track of who you're auditioning for, but also to just make a couple of notes about how it went, what worked, what didn't work about it, what could work better for next time. So you start to realize, oh, okay, I, I didn't know my lines as well as I thought. I need to actually allocate a bit more time next time. Or <laughs> lesson I once learned was, you know, be sure about the casting director's name in the room <laughs> before you go in. Don't call them the wrong name. It's not Kevin. No, I've made that mistake. Um, because, you know, also you don't, you don't want to then go and make the same mistake twice. So you might yes. as well learn from each experience. And learn from what worked too. You know, okay, this time I, I was so prepared and it, and it really paid off in the room because I felt so confident. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Well, I think in the age of being able to create your own work so easily now, I think what people sometimes get caught up in is that they are either of the mentality that they're like, I'm going to make the most amazing short film ever. Mm-hmm. And first and foremost, no, you're not. Right. I can tell you that right now. You're not going to make the most amazing short film ever. And that's okay. That's okay. But I think people are also scared that because so much is online, mm. if they put something out that isn't their best work or there's something that's not so great about it, that's just going to kill their career then and there. Um, I come across so many people that are like, well, I had this idea for a script, but you know, I just, I don't know. And I say, why, why, what, what is stopping you? What, Mm. you know, I, me being someone who does make their own work, Mm. there is nothing about me that is better than those people. There Mm -hmm. is nothing. We're Mm -hmm. all the same. We can all do the same things. We all have the same capabilities, no matter if I know different people to you. It's Mm. just the fact that you need to get over the fact that you're going to put work out there that's not so great. Sure. But who cares? The next one will be that much better if you can look at that film and go, okay, So this could have been done better and this could have been done better. That's great. Let's implement that the next time. If people see that you're growing, they're going to want to work with you. Absolutely. And, you know, I think first of all, who cares? You put something out on YouTube and it doesn't, it doesn't go viral. Well, that's great then. It didn't work and no one saw it. So that's okay. It'll disappear. Yeah. But you can, you can then, at least you're beginning to practice and you're beginning to learn. You know, I'm... I'm reading a book at the moment that was actually recommended to me by one of my students. So shout out Alan Mastow if you're listening to this because <laughs> um, Alan uh, was the one who brought it to my attention. It's a book called Talent is Overrated Okay. by Jeff Colvin is the guy's name. And it's very much about the idea, something I already believed in, but it's it's wonderful to hear it so clearly articulated by this author the um the need for deliberate practice that mm. if you want to get better at a particular skill you need to spend time not just practicing but being very deliberate in your practice i've always been of the mindset that um you know if you focus on process then results will come rather than getting result oriented like you said you know it's very easy to get attached to you know well this particular short film i'm making is going to be the best and chances are, if it's the first thing you're making, it might not be. It could be. You could also get quite lucky. But you know what? Sometimes that puts even more pressure on you the second time round. Yeah. And I've had that experience where I, I had some success with one short film and then the, the second one wasn't as good because, you know, you've put other pressures on yourself. Yeah. Um, you to try to, you know, hit it again. But if you just kind of keep focusing on the process and on on being quite deliberate of, about what you're learning you'll get better uh one of the things that um that jeff colvin blows out of the water he blows the myth around the 10,000 hour rule out of the water and that was something listen i've i've um you know advocated for the 10,000 hour rule before but You've what done he your 10, says you've done your 10,000 hours well i i probably have but <laughs> but you know, what Jeff Colvin says is that 10,000 hours doesn't really count for anything if the practice isn't deliberate. 
it, the 10,000 hour rule applies when somebody has been very deliberate in their practice. But it also means that you can actually become really skilled at something in a shorter amount of time if you're actually being quite mindful and conscious of the way in which you are practicing um, what you're doing. Uh, you know, that there are certain exercises that you can do that are going to strengthen certain skills that you have that are going to make you better at whatever it is that you want to do. So much of it does come, but it does come back to practice. You know, writing takes practice. Filmmaking takes some practice. Acting absolutely takes practice. He blows the myth out of the water too that that people are inherently talented. Again, some people might be and some people might not be, but at the end of the day, talent doesn't really count for anything without practice and in a way that's a very empowering thing and something I've always believed too because God knows I've seen students in my own classes start out being you know not very good or sometimes the you know the weakest in the class and yet they end up being the ones who find long-term success or book you know the first one out of out of acting school to book a role because they have been deliberate in their practice and also often because there's been something about their mindset that's helped them to, uh, you know, that, that uh, believe in themselves and, and, um, and kind of stand in that place of possibility and create from there. Um, I've seen it, I've seen it many times. I've got a, a bunch of students at the moment that are beginning to hit it really big overseas who are booking some really big projects mm. and they were not, the strongest in the class by any stretch of the imagination when they began, but they have been consistent. They have taken some risks and they have just kept going. They've persevered. Um, and now they're really beginning to find some amazing success. I think that's such an encouraging thing to hear for anyone in our industry. I think you always think whoever is the most successful is the person who was the best, who in your eyes, who was the best. And it's just not the case. No. And this career, this industry isn't fair a lot of the time. Mm. And God knows I've seen very talented people not do as well as others. Um, and and it, it sometimes it comes down to luck. And sometimes it comes down to and, and luck and opportunity. And sometimes it comes down to mindset. Um. So, you know, the thing that I would often say, the thing that I've come to understand and realize about mindset is that we often think that who we are, who we're being right now, if I ask you why are you the way you are, you would probably give me some answer that really comes down to I am who I am because of my past. <laughs> because of past experiences, because of my upbringing, because of education, because of what's happened to me in my life. What we often don't realize is that who we're being in the present has much more to do with the future that we're living into, what we see as possible and what we see as impossible than it does to do with our past. But then why do we think if it's actually the future that's calling you into being right here and right now, then why does it look like the past? Well, it looks like the past because we think that just because things have gone a certain way so far, that they're just going to keep going that way all the way into the future. Mm. And so we end up taking action consistent with our past. 
in reality, the past no longer exists. It's done. It only exists when we think about it and when we talk about it and when we remember it. But in actual fact, it's done. There's just right here, right now. There's just this moment and whatever we're intending, whatever we're creating next. So to stand in the moment, to be present in the moment, but to create from a future possibility is what helps to bring that future into reality. Um, you know, I've, I've used the example before of like if you're, I don't know, you're a barista or something and you're, you're working in a coffee shop and maybe you've got like this long line of people out the door and maybe the coffee machine's not working properly and your boss is annoyed and, um, you know, he's getting stressed out at you and yet you're having a great day. Like you're in a really good mood because you know that at home you've got a couple of tickets to Hawaii sitting on your desk and you know that tomorrow morning you're going to be on a, on a plane to Hawaii. Maybe Hawaii is not the best <laughs> example right now after, you know, we're talking post-SCOMO here. Um, but like you're going on this amazing trip. Maybe that explains a lot. I don't know. Is Scott um, Morrison the barista you're talking about? <laughs> Maybe let's say uh, Fiji for now or something. Um, and, and so, you know, so you're not really stressed about what's happening today because you know what, what you're, where you're going to be tomorrow. Yeah. But then you could be sitting on that beach in, in Fiji two weeks later and, um, you know, you know that you're about to head home again to that coffee shop. So you're sitting there looking at the most beautiful sunset you've ever seen and you're feeling miserable. Because you have an expectation about the future. Yeah. So the thing that we have to kind of keep doing for ourselves is, is knowing that the past no longer exists. Get the past out of the way. Put it back where it belongs, which is in the past. Because when you get the past out of the future, then you create this big open space for yourself in the future. From which For to create. Sure. And, you know, and again, if, if, if I'm left, if, I, if the past is no longer in the future, I'm left with nothing. But what can I do with nothing? Everything. You can do everything. That's right. You can do anything. You can create whatever you want. So we begin to create from there, from what, well, what is possible? What would I like? For sure. Well, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, in terms of that analogy, I really, from my personal experience, have realized that, you know, if you're a barista hmm. and you're at work making coffee and you, you're, you're the one that is in a good mindset and is happy and you are grateful for where you are right now and you're grateful for the things in your life, what is to come, hmm. and you truly are happy, I feel like that begins to affect the world around you. Completely. So yes, your boss might be angry, but I've experienced instances in my life recently where I've been in a good place and therefore it has affected other people to affect me in a, in a good way and to affect them in a good way, that sort of thing. It doesn't mean that like shit's hitting the fan around you, but you're just strolling down the street like, but life is good. <laughs> you know, I, I really think that the energy of being truly happy and content with yourself and content with where you are right now 
does start to affect. And what have you got to lose in trying that out? Like, oh, I spent a whole day trying to be happy. Well, you know, that, well, yeah, exactly. I mean, and, you know, I think too, even, you know, happiness can come and go, but certainly the practice of being appreciative, the practice of, of being grateful you know, I, I think, I don't know who said it, but someone said that you can't be grateful and unhappy or miserable at the same time. Yeah. Because there's, you know, if you're being grateful, then you're being thankful. Um, and, you know, I, I think I was saying to you, I said to you just before we started this interview, I was walking back this morning from the gym and I, I passed this elderly couple on the side of the road and, you know, this um, woman was waiting for her husband to, he just needed a minute, he had a walker to kind of recover um, from walking up this hill. And I, in that moment, I just felt so, well, first of all, I really felt for him. And I, and I, and my own kind of problems in a way sort of fell to the side. And I just felt so grateful for the fact that I'm able to walk and that I'm actually healthy. Um, you know, we, as they, you know, we, we don't know what we've got until it's gone. Right. And, um, it just reminded me of, you know, maybe where I'm at is not exactly where I want to be yet, but look at what you do have, look at what you have got going for you. For sure. And that makes you so much more appreciative and it does, it puts you in a much better state of mind. Um, you know, I think that the whole idea too that often when we when you know we we don't we sort of forget a lot of the time that life is a bit of a game. Like there are all these always these kind of games that we're playing. Um, you know, whether it's the game of acting or the game of wh- whatever you're kind of up to. In a sense, it's kind of like a game, and there are certain rules that come with that game, certain things that you can and can't do. And often when within the game, wherever you're at is not where you want to be because you're always trying to win at the game. And even when you've won at the game, there's usually a new game that you're now, or you've just advanced to the next level. Um, so there's a kind of a perpetual state of dissatisfaction within the game. So the key, in a sense, is to remember that it is just a game. And you can step outside the game anytime you want even if it's just for a moment because outside the game you're able to just experience life as it is and as it isn't and just know that everything is okay like in this moment right now you know you and I everything is fine we we're we're alive we're breathing we're safe I mean I know there are a lot of people right now with the fires that that can't that you know can't necessarily take that for granted but most of the time, things are, things are pretty okay outside mm. the game. Yeah. But then we've got to get back in the game and, um, and, and play the game, knowing that it's just a game. So we might as well play it to have some fun and a win um, and, and take the significance out of it. Again, it doesn't, if you win at it or not, it actually in the long run, it doesn't really matter. What it does give you though is it gives you an experience that you wouldn't have had if you weren't playing that game. Yeah. You wouldn't have gone on that adventure. You wouldn't have gone on that journey had you not decided to play that particular game. Just like in a soccer game, there's no need for someone to be able to, you know, like do a backflip kick into a goal (laughs) 
unless they're playing soccer at a very high level. Yeah. Um, so so suddenly you're, you find yourself capable of doing things that you wouldn't ordinarily have to do. Um, so that's what the game can give you. But just remember that it is it is just a game. Um, there's sometimes there are trophies involved, but even the trophies don't really mean anything except that we all agree that they do. Um, but in actual fact, outside of that agreement, they don't. Um, so, but you know what? We we there's no sort of avoiding the game of life. Mm. So we might as well still enjoy it. And know that you can appreciate what is and what isn't whenever you want. Yeah. I think it's interesting when... I think once once you do realize that, mm. because I think there's so many people in our industry, because we're a creative industry, a lot of the mental health side of things comes into play a lot of the time. And so I've come across a lot of creatives who will outright say, this is my do or die. I'm going to Hmm. give this my all. There is no plan B. I am meant to do this. I'm going to live in my car because I'm an artist Mm -hmm. and this is my life. And sure, like, you know, uh, actors like Aaron Paul have lived in his car before he got Breaking Bad kind of thing. Mm. And I think we take on those stories and romanticize them and think that that if I am all in, if Mm -hmm. I'm willing to die Mm -hmm. for this, that makes me worthwhile. Right. But it doesn't. No, it doesn't. You know, know, Look, I do think there's something to be said for a bit of discomfort that, yes. you know, there's nothing more motivating than a, than a bit of discomfort. For sure. Know, when, when, you're, when everything is really relaxed and comfortable, then, you know, we're less inclined to take action mm-hmm. in, in ways that we might need to. So sometimes, a, you know, a little bit of discomfort can help but i'm not i'm certainly not advocating going and living in your don't car don't go live in your car but the Just other, spend some money on some acting coaching that you would otherwise spend on some new clothes well that's y- discomfort yeah well i think also that you know i i also think what a tremendous amount of pressure you're suddenly putting on every audition you go to if if you're that uncomfortable, like if yeah. it becomes every audition becomes do or die, yeah, then um, you're probably not going to function at your best because you're so stressed. And people see that. You walk into a room, people see it in your eyes. You reek of it. Yeah. That kind of neediness. Um, but, you know, at the same, I do think I'm an advocate for really like having, having your shit together and living the kind of life that you want to live regardless of what happens with acting you know that you like we were saying before it's not that you get a job and then you're happy you can still be happy or you can still be enough you can still find validation you can still be satisfied with what you've got Mm -hmm. and if you then bring that into the room that's actually very attractive yeah Um, you've taken the need out of it um just like in a relationship you know do we find really needy dependent people attractive no do we find like the the kind of the cool confident person who who's who's interested and maybe they doesn't need you but they want you exactly they want it but they don't need it 
<laughs> yeah, that's what we find attractive. Yeah. Well, I think, um, oh, what was I going to say? Um, was it just to do with the, um, the discomfort or living in your car? <laughs> Aaron Paul. It was not. That's Aaron okay. Paul, oh, he's my, I think he would be my my whole pass. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> but he's got a very attractive wife and I really appreciate that. Like <laughs> all power to her. I would never step on her feet. I always see like attractive women that have like really attractive, like famous husbands. And I'm like, but you're attractive as well. Mm-hmm. And so... All power to Yeah, me walking in being like, hello. <laughs> Give yourself more credit, Rach. Yeah. Well, um, I can't remember what I was going to say. So. Maybe it was also about, we were talking a bit about, um, well, like also again about practice and, and not putting that kind of pressure on yourself in an yeah. audition. Um, you know, I think it's, what was I, now I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> There's a cloud of forgetfulness over us right now. Whatever attitude you bring into an audition room is also going to, like your mindset in an audition room is going to have a lot to do with how that audition goes for you. For sure. So whether or not you're going into, as they say, you're trying to you know, get the job. If you're yeah. going in to try to get the job, you've immediately made everything about you. And chances are when you make it about you, your attention is going to fall back onto yourself, which is going to make you self-conscious, which is going to make you nervous. Yeah. So if you can remember that you're not there to try to get the job, you're there to do the job. You're also there to give something of yourself. You're there to give them your take on this particular um, character, Mm. on this particular scene. Then um, you begin to take the attention off yourself and you start to put it out onto other people, whether it's the people in the room or your scene partner. Yeah. That can be a very empowering mindset to go into. I, I often think of, you know, it was a big kind of um, shift in the way I approached auditions, realizing that I was more at my best when I was there to give someone a gift. And I make yeah. it all about them, not just the, not just my scene partner, because again, that's the recipe for good acting: is you make it all about the other person, mm-hmm. all about something other than yourself. But even with the casting director, when you really put your focus on them, what's going on in them, you know, people find it very um, attractive in a way when when they feel that attention on. You know, when it kind of <laughs> put it back onto them, yes. make it about <laughs> someone else. Um, and also, you know, one little tip I, I've just in terms of what we've been talking about, about being happy and grateful. In my classes, I'll often teach people or I'll get people to remember to smile when they walk into an audition room, not just a not. A half smile, which when I say half smile, I mean a a smile with no teeth. Yeah, Yeah. because it can look insincere. The problem also with a neutral face is that we can project onto you whatever we think you're feeling. Oh, yeah. Um, Just like like the resting bitch face whole (laughs) phenomenon. (laughs) People think that you're feeling a certain way when you're not. But there's no mistaking how someone feels when they've got a smile on their face. And even if you don't necessarily feel happy when you start to smile, it has the effect starts to to release endorphins and dopamine and you begin to actually feel happier yourself and it makes other people smile around you and you know recently in a class 
I gave this tool to my students and one of the um, one of the guys in the class came back and reported a week later because I made it part of his homework for the week that he had to just keep remembering to smile because he's got quite a tough face and yeah. he can look like he's a he's a you know quite a strong guy but he can he can kind of look quite intimidating so all week he just started smiling at people like big <laughs> full smiles at at um at you know whether he was ordering his coffee in the morning or or just even walking down the street and he said the result was unbelievable <laughs> he had you know he had like all of a sudden he had women coming up to him and offering like giving him their phone numbers offering had, themselves to him <laughs> basically he, you know he had um you know i think his barista gave him a free coffee um he just had and and he, he it also just put him in a totally different mindset all week and he felt great um and he said that his mum had been tr- like trying to get him to smile for years and and she wanted him to thank me for <laughs> because oh, that's so funny. Um, he just it, it, it was amazing how it not only changed his attitude to the world and to life but it changed other people's attitude towards him yeah something he's as simple out as a, that a different energy he's totally. putting out a happier positive friendlier positive we all look happier friendlier and you know more confident and frankly more attractive with a smile on our face yeah yeah um, There's a little practical, practical <laughs> just a little thing tip. to drop down. I remembered what I was going to say. Yes, what I was going to say before was um, I think in, in terms of um, being content with the now, I think that maybe people think that if you're content with your life right now and you're truly like, yes, I love my life, whether it be you doing the job that you want if you're if you're in a job that you don't like but you're content with your life and whatnot I think people might think that you're never going to progress because you're happy in the now so life is going to stay this way Mm. which is not the case because Mm -hmm. if you're like the smiling if you're content and you're thankful for what you have generally you smile more mm. which puts out a more positive energy which draws bigger and better things into you absolutely. so i think that there is absolutely no way that if you are happy and or, or grateful in your life right now there is no way that it is going to stay that way or progress backwards i think that's an interesting point i mean look you know i again i think in a way being grateful is probably a better word than yeah. Because I think happiness goes happiness. into an emotion, whereas yeah, if we're and it can come and go. And, yeah, and a gratitude can be an it can be an action too. Yeah, it can be something yeah, that you do. Sure. And there's no doubt that that you know I know I said before like you know we've got to, when we're being a certain way then we do certain things and then we have a result. It is also true that if we behave in a certain way, it begins to. I mean, ultimately, how do we judge a character? We judge a person based on what they do. Mm. So if you actually start to behave in a certain way, you do start to become that person. You start to, it changes the way you see things. So if you, if you try the action of, for example, being grateful, chances are you're going to become a grateful person. Yeah. You're going to start to look at the world through that lens. And... And if you're looking at the world through that lens, then, you know, it's it, it'll change your motivation for why you're doing things. 
you'll find more motivation to do certain things that otherwise might have been more of a challenge to do um, when you weren't taking on that attitude or mm. you weren't looking at the world in that way. And, and I know that's certainly true for me. Sometimes, even when I'm not feeling a particular way, like, you know, the other day, like for various reasons, I was feeling down in the morning. And, um, but, you know, I'd made a commitment to still go to the gym. I really didn't feel like it. I just did not feel like it. But I did it anyway. And I felt so much better for having done it Mm. Um, for lots of reasons, you know, again, endorphins that come from exercising and everything else, but also just the fact that I didn't, I didn't have to, my word in the matter, my commitment to the, um, the possibility, for example, of being fit uh, outweighed my internal state. Yeah. So my word becomes more powerful as a result of still taking action in spite of how I feel. Yeah. So that's the other thing that there's the possibility. We don't just have to wait for motivation because sometimes motivation doesn't come. We still have to take the action. And, you know, I was talking a little bit before we started the podcast about habits. I'm reading a book at the moment called Tiny Habits by BJ Fogg. It's a brand new book, just came out. You're very impressive at remembering authors' names. I don't remember authors' names at all. Oh, sometimes I am and sometimes I'm not. Okay, well, I, you've done very well so well, far. Well, this one I know because I'm reading it at the moment <laughs> yeah. too, but um, otherwise I would have, I'd probably have to check it beforehand. <laughs> but um, he, um, he created like a, a behavioral institute at Stanford and uh, He's got, I highly recommend the book, much better than another book on habit that I read, which left me feeling a bit overwhelmed. This is all about just taking really, really tiny little steps in order to create habit. And he talks a lot about how habits are are formed when we, or behavior is is, uh, taken when there is a prompt, like so something prompts us, Um, there's, it's easy to do and there's a, a motivation to do it. Um, and so he says, you know, you can create any habit by just figuring out those, that, those three recipes, literally any habit. And what is also true is that in many regards, you can actually have or create whatever you want if you create a habit around it. Um, so, you know, for example, like, you know, at the moment I'm, I'm in like, I'm on page 80 something of this feature script that I'm writing um, and I've written stuff before, but it's easy to sometimes fall out of the habit of writing. But this year, I, I again, I even put myself into a writing course to make sure that it would get done. Suddenly you're in the habit and you don't necessarily have to feel like writing because at a certain point that when you're creating a habit, sometimes it requires a bit more willpower, but once it's habitual, you don't need willpower. It becomes automatic. So even like going to the gym the other day, it was sort of automatic because it's something I'd been doing and I had a commitment to myself to do it. Um, and so that begins to trump our entire, like our sort of internal state of whether or not we feel like doing something or not. And that in the long run brings us amazing results. So if you can stand, I guess in a way, if there was some, you know, t- talking about the new year, if we can stand in that place of possibility right here, right now, and we can intend or create 
a future that we would like to see manifest and live into that. And then know that the, you know, between where we're at right now and where we want to be, there are actions that are going to have to be taken. What are those actions? Can we then also begin to habitualize those actions, habituate them, make them automatic? Um, and so that we can then show up every day and, and, and do the thing that we need to do to get there. Uh, and know that the motivation, the motivation is just coming back to what it is that you want, what it is that you're creating, knowing that the past does not equal the future, uh, that, that, um, that we can stand in this place right here, right now, and look out from a place of possibility of what's possible. Not from getting attached to a particular result that it's, it doesn't have to look a certain way, because the the amazing thing about when you when you create a possibility for yourself when that possibility hasn't been fulfilled it just leaves you with more possibility for sure but if we get attached to an outcome and the outcome hasn't been fulfilled it leaves us feeling really disappointed yeah i think it should be really exciting to have a wealth of possibility and to be like i have no idea what's going to happen but in saying that i understand why it scares a lot of people and why people feel uncomfortable in that feeling but i do really encourage people to get to a place where it feels exciting and it takes a lot of work it does it I takes would, so much work but it's yeah i'd even say that that if it's not exciting the possibility isn't present for you yet. Yeah. It's not, it, it hasn't become real enough for you yet. And I would say keep looking or keep exploring until that possi- until you arrive at a possibility that actually makes you light up. Because you see it in people's eyes and in their faces when they are full of possibility. For sure. So if it's not there yet, if you're saying I want to do this and that, but it's not actually lighting you up, then it, it's not a real possibility yet. Yeah. Um, because when possibility is present, not only do you see it, but again, you, you have all of a sudden you have that motivation to, to, um, to jump up in the morning. Yeah. And again, there, there are mornings when you may not necessarily be feeling it, but you can create the possibility anyway and take action that is consistent with that possibility. Um, you can create it right here, right now. Yeah, one interesting thing that comes to mind in regards to that is, I mean, talking from an actor's perspective, but I think this applies to anyone in the creative industry, is when people ask you, when people find out that you're in the creative industry, say, Mm. when people find out that you're an actor, they generally ask, oh, what have you been in? (laughs) And I think... the way that you take on that question and the way that you respond to it does or does not open up the possibilities for your future. Mm. And I think that's something that I had to learn to be able to respond to in a positive way that would keep my future open to whatever is to come. Mm. Because generally when I used to get asked that question, I would say, oh, not a lot, you know, but... Mm-hmm. still working maybe one day kind of right. thing it came from a place of nervousness of like i don't know how to respond to this in the way that you want me to do mm-hmm. you want me to say that i was on home and away because i wasn't mm-hmm. um so i think 
I now respond saying I've actually done a lot of independent works Mm -hmm. and I also have produced my own work and I'm now working on um, doing other projects and just seeing what comes my way. All of which is true. It's true. And It's not a lie. Well, look, and in the time I've known you, you have been so consistent in doing that, in showing up and doing the work. Mm. And... I think that's the other, I think that's another probably has also part of what has played into this mindset that you're in at the moment is that the very least, you know, you're doing the work Yeah. and that's empowering and, and look at how much you have created in the last few years. Mm. It's amazing. Including this Thanks. podcast. <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah. It's been, yeah, it's been a lot. Um, it's been a lot of hard work, but it's been very fulfilling work. I don't ever kind of feel like oh it's too much work I don't want to do this anymore but in saying that like obviously because you're my acting coach we we didn't mention that in this episode mm. <laughs> everyone's like oh my god that's why he's there <laughs> <laughs> yes um being able to come to coaching with you and the things that you've implemented into my brain mm. have been the reason for my continual hard work you know mm-hmm. if I didn't have that I don't know if I would be here yeah right so it's the people you surround yourself with as well it's not all me well you know they say what that we're the average of our environment five, five people is yeah, that right I think so. yeah um the five people that we're closest to so yeah you want to you want to think about who you are surrounding yourself with and are they supporting you in what it is that you're out to achieve and if not it's not that you have to like lose, you know, say goodbye to your old friends. You just might need to get some new ones as <laughs> Don't well. Don't text them goodbye. <laughs> You're like, it sounds like there's a story there or something. No, not at all. I was just imagining like someone being like, I don't really I'm want that person <laughs> to be in my group of five. Mm. So it can be more than five. It's just an average number. Mm-hmm. You're like, I've got seven, so I need to cull two. Right. <laughs> Out you go. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't make the cut. We're going to do a series of challenges. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask you too, like yeah. when you started with the podcast or even yeah. with your sketches and stuff, like um, – I'm guessing you didn't you didn't really know a lot yet about podcasting or not at all. And yet you just started anyway. Yeah. That's one thing that I really try and push myself to do mm-hmm. is because I see it a lot in the creative industries people go I will do this when I'm ready. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you're ever going to be ready. Mm. Um so I would rather kind of just jump in and do it and just figure it out along the way, then, you know, practice and all that up until a point where I go, okay, now I'm ready. Mm. And that comes from a place of like, I don't mind failing. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't really phase me. I don't mind putting out content that isn't the best because I then learn from it. You know, Mm -hmm. I think thinking about, how people view you and how people view your content, whether it be your best or your worst, you can get very caught up in that. Sure. Um, but mind you, like it's that's not an easy thing to but to be thinking. You know, good it's, for you for doing it because mm. it does. It ta- it's scary to do. I absolutely fall into the trap sometimes of feeling like I need to be ready before I do something. I still fall into that trap sometimes. Oh, I, I do as well. 
but but listen you're doing it and you know and as you as you said like you you'll if you start of course you're going to make mistakes but you're also going to get better for sure and and that's how you're going to learn yeah um and and you've, you've begun the process and you know i also think of that great um that you can find it on youtube if you google ira glass ira glass who hosts this american life talks he's got that great little it's only like a one minute youtube clip taken from an interview where he talks about um about taste about how you know when you're first starting out at something you may not be very good but you've still got taste you know you know what you like and it just takes a little while it takes some practice for your your skills to catch up to your taste for sure um and uh and you know but you have to actually begin yeah you're not going to get there if you don't actually start yeah well something that i've done and something that i really do encourage people to do is obviously youtube is very big Mm. now in our day and age take one youtuber that has millions of followers and go onto their profile organize their videos from oldest to newest (laughs) and watch whatever it was the first video that they posted and most of the time if they haven't deleted their old content it's terrible but look at them now i was just talking about this with a a a friend recently who's um creating a a show we were just talking about broad city and how those girls their their early stuff you know, there's, there's a funny idea in it. The execution is not great at all, Yeah. but they started and they, they kept going and they were consistent and the work got better and the, and the quality got better. And then they got picked up by Amy Poehler and have their own TV show. Exactly. But if you go back to those early videos, they're, they're not great. Like they're certainly not at where they're at now. Yeah. But they're running the race. But they're running the race. Yeah, you have to begin the race if you you're gonna, if you want to win at it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you do. <laughs> That's always one thing that I think as well. I imagine myself in the race. And when people say to me, oh, I have this idea, but I don't know how to do it. I don't know if I want to, that sort of thing. I just think I imagine myself like running along and they're still at the, the start. Good for you. So, I love that. Yeah. I love that. I think it's, although it kind of, paints them in a negative line it is nice for yourself to be like oh yeah but it okay. also just might be a fact like they true. Might be, they're just standing there and you're and meanwhile you're off and running true very yeah. true um well this is i knew this was going to be a long one hmm. because you know you and i just tend to chat we do <laughs> um well as i said like um you're my coach and I can genuinely say like if people are wanting to um, find the next step in what it is they're doing creatively as an actor I highly recommend looking for Ben and doing some coaching with him because honestly it changed I feel like because we've been coaching for about two years now Mm. I think I have changed so dramatically in that time and a big part is because of you so um, highly recommend you. What's your website again? Uh, you can find me at actingmastery.com.au and uh, I'm in the middle of rebuilding my Benjamin Matthews website. <laughs> but it, there is one there, benjaminmatthews.com.au. But for classes, actingmastery.com.au, I will be doing a round of classes at the Hub in March. Yes. And I've got a whole bunch of other classes coming up 
all over the place. Mm-hmm. Everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> um, but Rachel, again, let me just acknowledge you too, you know, for, um, for what you're doing. I think this is a really great platform that you've created. Um, you know, we needed one like it in Sydney. And, um, and just as well, like for just how far you've come in the last couple of years, because it really is that your work is like night and day. Your mindset is night and day. Um, and just keep going. I'm so excited to see what comes next for you. Thanks. Me too. There's so <laughs> many possibilities. There ah, is. Full circle. Yeah. Well, thank you, Ben. Such a pleasure. Thanks for talking to me. Thank you. I'll see you soon. I'll see you soon. <laughs>